please take your seat just for a moment. I'm just going to share a few uh, kind of theological things today, but don't get worried. What a beautiful song. Isn't that lovely? Today I want to talk to you a little bit about sinking your roots down, embedding your life into the right foundation, the right soil, the right things that feed you. Uh, You know that a root is something that it takes nutrients from something external, converts it, moves it up the tube and into the plant. Those of you who are botanists amongst you, I've just destroyed your science and spent... But basically, we all feed off something. And today, I want to kind of talk to you about the right thing, the right soil to feed on. Turn with me, if you've got a Bible, to Colossians chapter 2. And we're in our pathway of discipleship. We want to talk about being rooted, rooted in Christ. We're going to talk about growing and being fruitful later. But let's talk about being rooted for a few weeks. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says it this way. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You know, just as you receive Christ, how did you receive Christ? By faith, in prayer, and simply. Begin, continue to live that way. Continue to live your lives rooted. Do you see this, this kind of parallel? Rooted, underground, built up, overground. Rooted, what you can't see, built up with what you can see. That which is unseen and what we are rooted in will come out in that which is seen. Strengthened him in him as you were taught in the faith. You know, uh, Kathy and I live in a rented house And uh, our philosophy is that we just make it home, whatever. And uh, so, in fact, one of our neighbors said, why are you working in the garden? It's not your house. It's because we like making an environment for ourselves. We want to have a nice garden. Although when I say a nice garden, you do realize that my function in the gardening is only to lift things for Kathy. It's only to mow, dig, Nothing of the finesse and skill is coming to my department in the marriage. Kathy is the one that, that does all the planting and, and planning and so on. But I did overcome, and I'm going to say it, the evil thorn bush. <laughs> it was everywhere. I mean, we got thorns everywhere, and I scrabbled it all and bring it in. But I found the taproot of the uh, thorn bush. I found the main root. I got in there with my spade. In fact, I broke one spade trying to get it out, you know. And I was there wrestling with it. You know, I could almost hear it going, you'll never get me out. And I'm going like, I'm getting you out. And you know, it was lashing me and lashing my hands and I was bleeding. Why didn't I put gardening gloves on? Because I'm too tough for gardening gloves. You know, and I was just like smacked my face, scarred face, all the rest of it. But eventually that root came out. 
and the, and the garden is free of the evil thorn bush. And it's very biblical and very true that the things we embed in our lives will cause fruit. Romans chapter 11 verse 16 says, If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. See this principle in the scripture. If the root is holy, so are the branches. That, that's a, it's a kind of biblical thing. In fact, Paul goes on to say to the Romans, you don't support the root. The root supports you. Talking about the, the Jewish people. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, God is very careful in, in explaining this principle to the Israelites. He's saying, make sure there is no man or woman, clan or tribe amongst you today whose heart... Those things that are unseen has turned away from the Lord our God to go and worship gods of those nations. Make sure there is no root amongst you that produces bitter poison. When we talk about roots, we often concentrate, rightly and sometimes, the, of the getting uprooted, the things that are causing us trouble. The, the things that are that are embedded in our lives that we haven't dealt with and we need to take some time to do that. And that is an important teaching that we will do. In fact, the Bible also talks about shallow roots, doesn't it? You know, Jesus said in the, in the parable of the soils about there was one uh, seed that fell amongst uh, uh, rocky ground and since they have no root, they last only for a short time, Jesus said, when trouble or persecution comes because of the, the words, they quickly fall away. So our roots need to go deep into the right things. We need to embed our lives in a good uh, kind of foundation, but also things that feed us well. Isaiah complained at the, at the Israelites in, in Isaiah 40, verse 24. No sooner they planted, no sooner that they are sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground that blows them away and they wither uh, in, the, in a whirlwind, sweeps them away like chaff. And so it's very clear that the Bible has this root produces fruit kind of teaching. And it's important, you know that. You know, that you know that you have honked your horn at somebody who's cut you up and actually it was your wife you were really mad at. And they just got it because they just presented the opportunity. But instead of seeing the negative side today, have you considered the good rootedness of our lives that what Christ has already done, that he's already planted some things and rooted your lives in some things, and if we planted our lives out of that soil and focused on what he was doing, then actually some of the other work would be a lot easier or at least come through quicker. We are rooted in Christ and, and today, some of you, I'm going to say some things, you'll say, yeah, I know that. But you've got to know it, then know it again in a precious way. Do you know what I mean? You've got to fall in love with your wife every single year. Day. Sorry. Sorry, Kathy. 
you've got you've to re-emphasize some things in your life over and over again. You've got to know them, and then you've got to know them. Let's just read that scripture again. And now, just as you accepted Christ in, in simplicity and faith, Jesus is your Lord. You must continue to follow him. This is the NLT version. says it this. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. We don't just accept Jesus and then get on with our lives. We build and we deepen down into him. Then, let, then your faith will grow strong in truth as you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You see, as we put our roots down into this soil uh, of Jesus, his work over time will change us because actually it's great that we have sermons and Bible studies and cell groups and all the rest of it. It's great we have those systems. But actually, when we place our lives and we grow down into him, he is a living person and because he's a living person and it's living so soil, that he then begins to change us. So today I want to arrest you to say, could you, could you begin to say, God, I want to place my life deeper into what you have done because the living person of Jesus will take personal ownership of your life and he will change you. It'll be a partnership. It'll take some work. But you have to understand that what he has done. Now, let me give you some theological words. You know that, that when you become a Christian, there's over 35 things in the spirit that happen to you instantly, and there's more, actually. You know, God says, okay, I'm giving you that. 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 You said, I accept you, Jesus. And God went, shoo, 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 into your life. Sound effects are free in this sermon, by the way. <laughs> Our lives are now rooted in the work of Christ and all that was achieved on the cross, redemption, forgiveness, reconciliation, big word coming up, propitiation, for those who like the King James Version, justification, imputation, regeneration, expiation, sanctification, called, chosen, equipped, sealed, filled, given righteousness, adopted, chosen, predestinated, even glorification. That's what Jesus does for you. And there's a test on that that you remembered all those words later on. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say to you, it's, it's much more than, than just coming to church. God, all of this, he provides in salvation so that believers are not just qualified for heaven, but they have a feeding system through this soil of what he's done so that you can actually change and grow and become all that God wants you to become. And yes, sure, we need to deal with some bitter roots in our lives, but I wonder today if we could just focus a little bit on what Jesus has done and dig deeper into that. Here's four, four major things that he's done. I use the word... Uh, propitiation. Actually, if you look in other translations, if you go into 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, it, it's the atoning sacrifice or the sacrifice that turns away God's wrath or God's displeasure with 
who we are. It says this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Some of you have been reading the King James Version, haven't you? And you thought, I wonder what propitiation means. Well, here you go. It's a sacrifice that turns away God's displeasure with what we were before Christ. And not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. He is completely satisfied with everything that Jesus did. And Jesus completely satisfies everything that God requires. So, the, the, if you've got any hangover from your life before God, actually, God, he looks at what Jesus did and says, you don't need to have that hangover because I'm absolutely satisfied with what Jesus did on the cross. So why are you looking back before you were a Christian saying, oh, that's still hanging over me? He saved you. And he's satisfied, not with how you were living, but what Jesus did. And we've got to start digging into that and saying, well, God, you did that. That was not between me and you. That was between you and Jesus, and you're satisfied with Jesus. Somebody say amen. Come on. The second major work that, that he's done, and we won't go through all of them, that, that God's reconciled you. That actually it says in 2 Corinthians 5 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. We don't have to jump through hoops to impress God, we are together with him. You, you, Jesus, God actually takes you on one side and takes Jesus, or Jesus takes God on one side, he takes you on the other side and brings you together and says, now you are together. And there'll be some religious people who kind of say, but, but what, uh, what can I do? And Jesus says, I've done it. I've done it. Relax. You know, or if I can speak millennial for a moment, chillax. <laughs> and, and you see, the Bible says for, in Romans 5, it says, if, for if we were God's enemies, and, and you see, I don't, it doesn't matter how religious you were, you were an enemy of God. You didn't think you hated him, but you were on the wrong side. And it's not that God's a grumpy old man who's looking for enemies. He loves you. For if while you were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life? Some of you are sitting there saying, oh, I know this stuff, but can you know it again? Kind of press it deeper into your heart through the Spirit. You see, the fact that the atoning sacrifice deals with our hanging over, this means that we can hang on no matter what. That actually if you don't feel God, you're reconciled to him. So you can hang on. As I said to you last week, absence or silence does not mean absence. God is with you. He's already reconciled to you. 
Third thing. In Christ, the soil, we've been given redemption. Now, the word redemption was from a marketplace, from, from a slave market, actually. And what happened is people were slave uh, leaders or masters would buy back someone and redeem them. We've been bought back from the slavery that we were in. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. That's the price, by the way, the, the currency. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The redeemed means that we're bought back from slavery. And what this means, that all the ground of our addictions is broken. Now, I know that some of you are sitting here and saying, I'm not addicted. But I'm just going to say to some of you, TikTok. <laughs> I'm going to say to some of you older people, coffee. And some of you are going, oh my God, don't take my coffee away from me. <laughs> but every one of us has a sense in which we can become addicted. But redemption means I break that in Jesus' name. That, that tendency in all of us to over-depend on someone or over-depend on some things or to find value in things that can't give you the value that you really should have. That in redemption, Jesus says, I break it. And, and that's the root which we've got to start drawing from. So he breaks up our hang-ups. Some things are a hangover. Some of you need to think you, you can't hang on, but you can. But he breaks up your hang-ups. Last one. This is the theological bit. As well as the atoning sacrifice, as well as reconciliation, as well as redemption, in Christ, you get something called sanctification. There's a word for the crossword. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 says it this way. To the church of God in Corinth... To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. By the way, in the New Testament, there's a phrase called en Christo. It means in Christ. And it's used 165 times at least. And the, and the fact that you are in Christ is the absolute game changer. In, in all other religions, and I'm not being uh, unkind to any other religion, they're not in a living person at all. Your life has been picked up, transported, and built and rooted in a living person. And that's where your strength and source comes from. To the church of Corinth, to those who sanctified in Christ Jesus and who are called to his holy purpose together with, uh, with, to those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. He placed you in him and, and what sanctification means, he kind of sets you apart, but also changes your nature so that you can really change and live differently. This means God takes us, and we really can be different. Now, I know that the world says to you, everybody's an individual. 
and all the rest of it. We're not talking just individuality. We're talking the personal power to really change. Sometimes you, you feel a sense of the herd mentality amongst us, and we, we kind of get lost in the crowd. Man, we've seen some crowds in London, haven't we? And, and you can think that, well, it's just a sea of humanity, but you know what? God laser beams his, his eyes on you and says, I will help you personally to change because I placed you in me. See, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11 says, and this is what some of you were. And he, he's listed all terrible things that they were. But he says, but now you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You see, God deals with our hangovers. He, he makes it so that we can hang on. He deals with our hang-ups. But here... He makes it so we can hang in there and actually be the person that God wants us to be. It's really important that we now begin to think to ourselves, where am I feeding from? The work of Christ or all the other opinions around my life? It's a very simple message, although I've dressed it up in theological language. Where is the feeding, the source of your life? You see, the Bible also says that we're rooted in the love of God. That love expressed in Jesus, of course. Paul said it this way to the Ephesians. and Let's just read scripture over you. For you. He said, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in God's love. Have you heard this before? God loves you. God's not angry, sitting on a throne, looking down on you, thinking, how can I catch them when they mess up and punish them? That's not God. You know what that is? That's your angry grandfather that you haven't given over to Jesus yet. That's the school teacher in your experience that never liked you. You know what that is? That voice that you're saying is God? That's that unforgiveness you've got towards your mother. That's that root of bitterness you've got to your elder brother. That's that dad who should have affirmed you and but rejected you. That's not God. Because God floods our hearts with his love by his Holy Spirit. And the roots that flow from God is that God flows in his love. And it's that flooding of God's love into the fabric of our being that really changes us. That where we can win against rejection. That, that, that actually you compare the rejection of others to the acceptance of God, you begin to compare them and say, I'm going this way. Now, I know it's difficult. It's not done in one message. But we've got to start looking at, well, God, you love me. And your opinion is better than everybody else's in the world. 
The king of kings says that I can go to his banqueting table, sit under his banner that says love, by the way. And if you kind of get the point of why we put a big banner outside during carnival that says you are loved, his banner over us is love. And we sit at his banqueting table as... And, and when he looked at us in our brokenness and our selfishness and our, and, our, and our sense of who we were, God looks at us and says, I love that more than everything that's wrong with them. And he wants to flood you with that love. We can find real value and find our real value in God. Now I know we have to repent. We have to come back to Jesus. We have to admit that we've done some things wrong all things wrong sometimes. We have to admit that. We have to turn our mind around. But God's love wants to flood your heart. Can I, can I give you a, a kind of, a little bit of a mind-bending sentence? But come on, stay with me now and get your head around this. In the world, the price of something determines its worth. So, you know, let me, let me just explain it to you. Think about a car right now. And if I said to you, this car is 1,500 pounds, are you thinking of an Aston Martin? <laughs> You're more thinking of what Ron's driving, aren't you? I'm just kidding. If I said to you, this car was 80,000 pounds, what type of car are you thinking about? The price determines the worth of it. In the world, the price determines the worth. In the kingdom of God, the worth determines the price. When God looked at you, and you were smoking, and drinking, and lying, and stealing, and you were hurting, and you bore grudges, and you didn't dress modestly, and, and you were playing around with all of your faults he said wow that's worth so much I'm going to pay the highest price and send my son to die on the cross your worth determines the price hey come on let's give him a real hand clap of praise he didn't say he never said, you know what, I'll give them something. He said, they are worth so much, I'm going to make sure I pay the highest price for those people. I'll send my son. He will die on the cross. He's the most priceless thing. You see, we can be so secure that we are immeasurably loved so you don't have to enter the, the kind of popularity contest of the world. I know we all want to be affirmed. I know we all want to be liked. But you're loved. 
He chose us before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of his will. He looked at your worth and said, I'll pay the highest price to the praise and glory of his glorious grace, freely given in the one who loves us. You see, you've got to put your life down into that soil. You've got to stop hearing all the other soil and put your roots down into that soil. It's not that it's, it, it's easy. It's going to be hard sometimes. But where do you get your source from? I took into the Stafford this week. and Have you ever thought about the thief on the cross? There's a pastor named Alistair Begg that, that says it much better than me, but... Have you ever thought about him on the cross? He said, you know, in one moment, he's cursing Jesus and swearing at him. And then he kind of gets a sense of, oh, you know, maybe this has got something in this. And he says, you know, will you remember me in, in, when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looks at him and says, this day, today, you will be with me in paradise. Well, we know that they die first. Can you imagine that thief on the cross gets to heaven? The angel says, why are you here? And the, angel, and the thief on the cross says, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Don't you know any doctrine? No, I don't know any doctrine. So which church did you go to? I never went to church. Do you understand the doctrine of justification by faith? I've never heard of the doctrine of justification by faith. The angel goes back and gets his supervisor and gets it even more. Uh, more wise angel and says well have you been baptized no I've not been baptized what is baptism so he said well do you know the scriptures no I never I don't know the scriptures I said well how come you are here the thief on the cross turns to the angel and says the man on the middle cross said I could come. I want to say to you, the man on the middle cross said you could come. Oh, bless you, Lord. Thank you, God, you just said I could come. I didn't have to clean myself. You washed me in your blood. The man on the cross said I could come. That's the ground. That's the soil. Those are the roots that I want to build my life into. Of course, we have roots in our lives. Hebrews tells us, see to it that no one's falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up in you. And we'll deal with those things. But just for today, can you just look at the soil, the foundation, the roots of Christ and say, thank God you love me. You saved me. These are some of the rooted questions that we should ask. Where did that come from? When we've got an opinion and we've got an attitude, you think, where did that come from? Did that come from the root of Christ or did that come from somewhere else? Where's this going? If I keep going in this direction, where's my life going? Does this need to stop or... Should I really allow this to continue? 
does it line up with God's word? The things that I'm doing, is this what God would say? Is this bringing me closer to Christ? Am I deeper in love with him? You see, those are the sort of questions that show you where your roots are going. Please stand with me if you will. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to people? Just open your hands if you will, just for a moment. See, I'm not very good at gardening and I was looking at what healthy roots are. And I know three things about healthy roots. The first thing is that they are not stained. They don't crumble. They're, they're not stained. The other thing is that healthy roots hold the shape of the pot and they can lift the soil. They, they actually wrap themselves around that which they are rooted in. I wonder if you could wrap yourself around what Christ has done for you. But here's the thing that spoke to me. A healthy root smells like the soil it's planted in. Oh, my Lord. I wonder what our opinions, our attitudes, our words, do they smell like Jesus? Just hold your hands out. Now, I'm going to provide material where you can kind of go deeper into this, but just in this moment, would you say to the Lord, take me deeper into you. Let me build my life into you. Let me, let me dig my life down into you. You see, it's okay. It's fine to have a career. It's great to have acquisition. It's those things we all need, but you've got to put your roots down past all of that into what Christ wants for you. And that will take your life to the right place. Holy Spirit now, in this moment, through the foolishness of preaching, would you dig our roots deeper into you? Make a decision today that you're going to be a deeper Christian, rooted in Christ. Christ.